Welcome to the Evangelizing Catholic Culture Podcast Show with your host, Father David Tickerhoof, T-O-R. Father David is a retired priest currently ministering in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania at Our Lady Queen of Peace House of Evangelization. You can find the show notes for each episode on the podcast website, evangelizingcatholicculturepodcast.com. The teachings in this podcast are the thoughts and prayers of Father Tickerhoof and are based upon his good standing in the Catholic Church. And now, here's your host, Father David. You can find the show notes for today's episode, Tools for Growing Spiritually and Serving Others, Episode 17, at evangelizingcatholicculturepodcast.com. And now, here's Father David. Welcome, welcome to everybody today. Uh, this is uh, being uh, recorded in the, in, in, in the springtime. And here up in Pittsburgh, it's just reached the 60, 65, beautiful day yesterday. And out uh, out at the uh, waterworks, out at the uh, a reservoir, there's a big path for walking. And there were so many people gathered enjoying the sun, sitting on the benches and getting some exercise. And so the springtime is such a great, great time. And the springtime is a time, too, when uh, we're called to sort of be refreshed and renewed in God's merciful grace and consolation. So be open to that these days in your life as we move forward in serving the gospel and serving our brothers and sisters in mercy. Today's talk is going to uh, deal with the tools for growing in serving others. In the first letter of John, the writer speaks of the anointing we who are baptized have from Christ. Quote, but you have the anointing that comes from the Holy One, and you have knowledge. As for you, the anointing that you receive from him remains in you, so that you do not need anyone to teach you, but his anointing teaches you everything and is true and not false. Just as it taught you, remain in him. This is 1 John 2, uh, verses 20 to 27. The quote, anointing, unquote, referred to here is the gift of the Holy Spirit given to the baptized and expressed in various gifts and talents and sources of wisdom and understanding. The, the catechism, the catechesis in the Jerusalem uh, community presented in the liturgy on the octave of Easter also speaks about the anointing with the Holy Spirit. Quote, When we were baptized into Christ and clothed ourselves in him, we were transformed into the likeness of the Son of God, having destined us to be his adopted sons and daughters. God gave us a likeness to Christ in his glory, and living as we do in communion with Christ, God's anointed. We are God's anointed. We ourselves are rightly called the anointed ones. 
When he said, do not touch my anointed ones, God was speaking of us. But we too have been anointed with oil, and by this anointing we have entered into fellowship with Christ and have shared and have received a share in his life, both human and divine. This year, we're now in the midst of celebrating the great season of the Paschal Mystery. It is the heart and core of the life and power of our Christian life. As Pope Benedict XVI proclaimed during the Vatican Council II, the Paschal Mystery, the death, the cross, the passion, cross, death, and resurrection, and the sending of the Spirit, the Paschal Mystery is the heart and center of the Council's teaching. And as such, it is the heart and core of a Christian's life. How should we view this very clear teaching in relationship to the church's grace of renewal at this particular time? In the spiritual renewal movements, the approach is usually a seminar which prepares one to be prayed for for a new empowerment of the Holy Spirit. There is, brothers and sisters, there's plenty of evidence of the wonderful things that happen for a person who has had this experience. And if one feels drawn in that direction of renewal, seeking to receive an empowerment of the Holy Spirit, a new special grace of spiritual refreshment, I highly encourage it. However, excuse me, I am proposing a different approach to a similar reality, which I have called the spiritual experience of the church's grace of renewal and reform. The basic scriptural reference that I suggest is Easter Sunday night, excuse me, the experience of the disciples gathered in the upper room recorded in St. John's Gospel, John 20, verses 19 to 23. The heart and core of this approach is the full gamut of the Paschal Mystery, which includes the sending of the Spirit by the Father and Jesus. Certainly, we would need a preparation program, including a series of teachings, a seminar. The prayer of spiritual anointing and commissioning at its conclusion could be termed the baptism of the Spirit in the Paschal Mystery. The starting point of the threefold empowerment of the resurrection, the cross, and the Spirit would be the experience of the glorified risen Lord and Savior. It would also certainly include the empowerment of the Spirit and the spiritual gifts. It is with this understanding in which I am presenting four opportunities to provide for others some tools for growth. In a previous reflective teaching, I presented some tools that focused on spiritual growth for individuals. Now, in this teaching, I want to present a few tools that focus on group opportunities for others who may be seeking a relational program that is ongoing and growth-producing in holiness of life.
This reflective podcast teaching is going to concentrate on four opportunities which the podcast sponsors or supports for serving the spiritual growth of other brothers and sisters. In Outreach to Others, this teaching is going to review the possibilities of serving a person or a group of individuals who may want to be in relationship with others for the ways and means of spiritual growth and or service to others. These four opportunities are ways of doing evangelization. The first tool which we want to consider is power-focused intercession, which I spoke about in a previous teaching. This means of growth, healing, and empowerment for others is looked at in some of the other podcast presentations. One of them is the path to spiritual freedom. Some of us may feel a real disconnect when we pray for others or in the universal, quote, the universal prayers of the faithful, unquote, when it's hard to connect with the petitions. They seem so distant. We're not emotionally involved or invested. We may know little about the, what the prayers are being prayed for. So we may settle for a kind of a dry, cerebral, mental, disconnected prayer. We don't seem to have a dynamic connection with the individual or group we're praying for. This doesn't mean that our intellectual prayer recitations for others are not blessed by God. They are. But what we want to try and do is proclaim and promote that we can have a connected, grace-filled experience when we pray for others, which comes from our hearts and is experientially based. Where real change and miraculous results happen in the lives for whom we pray and that, uh, whom we pray for. Recognizing that in this approach we are exercising the beautiful truth that we are members of the model of the church, of the mystical com- communion, the mystical body of Christ. And Jesus wants to give to us an invitation to join him in ministering a powerful happening in grace for the benefit of others. The key is in knowing how to connect up with the powerful working of the glorified Lord's grace for the specific needs of an individual or group. Here's the simple formula. I am sorry for all the hard, painful, and difficult things that have happened to you. At that point, we are taken, we are in the presence of God. We become one with Jesus and praying to the Father in the Spirit. So we're, we're praying to the divine, and in the divine, we're applying this prayer, that what we say, this formula that we use for the, the, the powerful change and ministry to others. So we say, first of all, I am sorry for all the hard, painful, and difficult things that have happened to you. Then we say, I take limitless responsibility for all that has happened to you. Now, that's impossible if we're doing it just from ourselves. But we are, if we are spiritually connected with God, and then we are doing it because God has taken 
responsibility for all that happens to that person. And in God, when we do this prayer, we release the power, the, 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 the power uh, to, to reach out to others and bring about a real change because we're just an instrument participating in what God is doing in their life. So when we say this, it's not just coming from ourselves. Then the next one. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. Now, why would we say that if we do in the sense of, who we, we don't have the power to forgive. Jesus is the one who forgives. So when we say, I am sorry for all the hard and painful, difficult things that have happened to you. I take limitless responsibility for all that has happened to you. Please forgive me. It's Jesus in the Father and the power of the Spirit and our participation in the act of mystical love, the aflamed love in the Spirit, that we are part of that power reaching out to these people or these individuals. That's so beautiful. So then with that understanding, we could say, I love you. I love you. I love you. And and our poor little human love is in the, the tremendous, abundant heart of love and is carried out to that person that we're praying for. And then we recognize, no matter what that person's done, we're not judging anybody, no matter what that person's done, we, we recognize that God has created them and he has a dignity for them and he has prepared them for eternal life. And so we, we recognize that by saying, in a humble way, I thank you. Now, before we're tempted to begin an over-rationalization and find and look for difficulties, let's take a look at how this formula is prayed in a direct union with the Lord himself. We are members of the mystical body of Christ by virtue of our water baptism. We are in a dynamic, personal relationship with the glorified Lord Jesus and with one another. We are all the body of Christ. This truth is foundational truth in which we begin our intercession for another person or group. The night of the resurrection, the glorified Jesus, who has already ascended to the right hand of the Father, appears, this is in John's Gospel, and says, Peace be with you. Shalom, shalom. What does shalom mean? It means it doesn't mean just I hope you're feeling good. No, Jesus, you're risen. That's such a happy and a wonderful thing. I feel so good for you. That's not what it means. That's, that could be part of it for sure. But shalom means it is done. I have accomplished it. It's over. It's all done. It's complete. It's for you. Jesus gives the disciples and us the full experience of the Paschal mystery the death, the resurrection, and the fullness of the Spirit. Then he breathes on them and says, Receive the Holy Spirit and commissions them to do also with others what he has been doing in his ministry, what he accomplished through his death, resurrection, and the Holy Spirit, and what he has accomplished and gives to them, and he will do in them for others. In Romans chapter 8, it says that both Jesus and the Spirit do intercession for us. When we express our sorrow for the person we are praying for, we immediately leave our mere human desire and place ourselves in a heavenly plane, 
in total union with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have just entered the supernatural realm. We then picture the person or group we are praying for, and we enter into union with our glorified Lord, and all that this means in light that the Lord does the intercession, reparation, and atonement prayer in which we are with him, for he has accomplished it all. So when we take limitless responsibility, we're doing so in union with the Lord. We should never take on the negative or destructive attitudes of the one we're praying for. So as we say, please forgive me, it is the Lord who is acting in power. When we say, I love you, we are doing so truly with our human ability, now joined with the love of the Lord for that person. In this is the power we have of sharing in a miraculous power of love to change and heal another human being. And when we say, I thank you, we are divinely, quote, unquote, acting to affirm and identify the full purpose in which God has created that person. This power of power, power-focused prayer is a ministry and is a mystery of love. When this procedure is a spirit-led experience and performed primarily with the heart, one will actually feel the powerful presence of the Lord working in a mysterious manner. Now this is so good. When one does this prayer of cleansing, the individual will also feel the cleansing and healing going on in oneself. So even though we're praying for others, we actually experience this grace cleansing us and healing us. That's so beautiful. Therefore, while we are doing this mission of love for another person, the Lord is doing a work of tender healing and cleansing in our lives, in the one praying. It's two sides of the same coin, so to speak. The way to really learn the experiential truth of all this is by practice, practice, practice. The more we do, the more we do this, the more we are drawn into the power and the more we experience the cleansing power in our own life. So now the next thing, going to a different subject, I want to talk about uh, the second uh, thing, which is uh, unbound ministry. What is unbound ministry? It's something that is growing everywhere in the Catholic life especially. Unbound ministry is an approach to healing and deliverance that fits well in Catholic life. The approach to healing and deliverance, which seems to fit best in the ambient of Catholic Church, is this ministry developed by Neil and Janet Lozano, entitled, quote, Unbound Ministry, unquote. It follows a similar approach to the general basics of praying with individuals for healing and deliverance. However, its uniqueness consists in the fact that this ministry operates from a position of, quote, non-confrontational deliverance, unquote. And the recipient of the ministry does the renunciation and takes personal authority over the specific aspects or attitudes toward of personal evil. It uses common sense 
and the exercise of practical wisdom, which does not permit one to fight with evil spirits, but ministers truth and love to the recipients. Some of the, the ministers say, you fight with evil spirits directly, they fight back. Then you get a lot of the, the unnecessary negative uh, manifestations. No, 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 no. But, but we're concentrating on ministering in truth with the recipient. In short, it's a ministry of evangelization, which provides deliverance from personal evil and also aids the recipient in receiving spiritual healing and the gift of genuine freedom. Essentially, it involves five keys to spiritual freedom. Quote, five keys to spiritual freedom, which I'm now going to present to you. The first key, this is going to be briefly presented. It's much more in the book of Unbound Ministry. The first key is to stand in the experience of the truth of faith and practice life-giving repentance. This is an inner dynamic of experiencing our faith in Jesus and also of working with the Spirit in life-giving repentance for the individual. This is what goes on, and this, this, this needs to be going on as the first key that is, is going to lead us to uh, standing in this experience of faith is going to usher us into the other four keys. The second key involves forgiveness. Now, we just had a whole... Uh, podcast on forgiveness, seeking uh, forgiveness from God, forgiveness, forgiving others, forgiving oneself. It also means giving forgiveness to others in all situations of life where I have been hurt or offended. The follow-through in this key is after forgiveness, then let things go and surrender them to the Lord. The icing on the cake is praying for those who have sinned against and hurt me hurt us. The fourfold features of completed forgiveness. Because all four are exercised, it brings closure in the process of forgiveness. The third key is the acknowledging and renouncing in the name of Jesus the identified attitudes of the spirits of darkness which have been oppressing, harassing, and working in, a, in the recipient's life. The recipient does this himself or herself. The fourth key is taking authority in the name of Jesus over these entities and commanding them to leave. The recipient does that. The recipient does that themselves. They're working with the Lord and the Lord working with them. The fifth key is finally praying with the recipient for the Father's love and blessing. This blessing confers grace for the recipient in which they experience that in their freedom that they've received from the, the personal evil of darkness and the healing that they've needed, that they are a beloved son or daughter of the Father and they are especially loved by God. That's a very simple explanation of unbound ministry. For further consideration, hit Google and type in unbound ministry in all of the resources and the description of the ministry will come up right away. 
The third area I want to mention in trying to serve others, a tool for serving others, is what we call fire groups, fire groups, small groups, three, four maybe. Uh, it could be more, but three or four. And these are a source for helping people make changes in their life and living the Christ life. So now let's take a look at this business of fire. F-I-R-E, capital F, capital I, capital R, capital E. Now, before we do that, uh, fire itself, by its very nature, has the ability to make changes in things. However, it is primarily used symbolically in the scripture. One may recall Moses seeing the bush on fire but not burning up, representing God's awesome holiness. Fire purifies one from the dross of sin. The experience of fire is a transformation that brings about a new experience of love and life. Fire illuminates the mind and enables one to see what is pleasing to God. In the human person, the symbol of fire illuminates the mind and energizes the will and gives strength to the soul in relationship to personal holiness, and it inflames us with divine love. In the recent past in this country, FIRE was used as an acronym to identify changing one's life and living a new life in Christ. At this time, it is useful to identify a flexible small group opportunity that meets occasionally to help one another grow more deeply in the Lord. A salient feature in a small group is this. F stands for faith, a dynamic living faith, F, F. I, I stands for all the forms of intercession and prayer. All the forms of intercession and prayer. R stands for Life-giving, spirit-filled repentance. Wonderful, powerful repentance. R, R. And E stands for evangelization and doing mercy work. These four topics are joined as one, and they represent a process of opportunities for growing in Christian maturity. So FIRE represents a small group fellowship. These groups can be made available to those who are interested. These groups would be useful for spiritual growth, formation, and transformation, adult formation. The last and fourth type of group is is a group or a fellowship that's more towards uh, serving others through uh, the, the transformation of uh, all of the penitential life, you know. Uh, like in, in Francis of Assisi, when he experienced so deeply the Lord's love and compassion, it immediately led him to uh, doing things for others that were of a sacrificial, uh, cross-centered nature, nature, which some would use the term uh, penitential. I served at the Franciscan University of Steubenville from 1968 until 1990. In those years, the friars, members of the faculty, students, 
and members of the lay community work together to develop spiritual renewal. Individuals at that time were trying to grow in holiness and serve others to grow in holiness and human maturity. In the midst of all this, some were talking about eating right, quote, eating, quote, quote, eating, eating right, unquote, losing weight, and bemoaning the frustration of uh, consistent failures in their sincere attempts. Someone mentioned about a group program started in Boston, in the Boston area, that claimed to be very successful in achieving the goal of weight loss. It was called, quote, Diet, Discipline, and Discipleship, unquote. Some decided to research and then provide the opportunity for those who desire to develop this approach of small groups, where individuals kept track, openly reported results and failures, and were held weekly accountable. The results were amazing. Individuals lost weight easily and consistently. The success of this communal relational endeavor was quite impressive. One of the lessons of this group centered, uh, group-centered accomplishment was the huge success that happened when individuals quit trying to on one's own and joined a group effort. The church in this country is just beginning to appreciate the value of small fellowship groups developed to aid one in growing in Christian holiness and maturity. Quote, Evangelizing Catholic Culture podcast will eventually attempt to provide the, the, the far groups and the merciful Christian fellowship groups, if possible, for the purpose of growth and support in the Christian life. This first one is the fire growth groups mentioned above, and the second one is merciful Christian fellowship groups. The merciful Christian fellowship groups are designed to help individuals grow in living a committed gospel form of life. The MCFGs are designed to provide a flexible formation, uh, flexible adult formation experience to assist individuals to grow and share one's faith and training to do some type of evangelization or mercy service. Those who want to take a look at this, who, who, who are, basically, who are, who are those who may want to take a look at this? Not everybody, this opportunity. Not everybody would feel attracted to this. Who would, who would kind of be uh, possibly ready for this kind of a thing? First, anyone who has a personal relationship with Jesus and feels called to deepen their skills in prayer and outreach to others. Second, anyone who wants to grow in the use of the spiritual gifts and qualities of mercy by practicing the spiritual and corporal works of mercy. The Gospel parable in Luke of the Good Samaritan. Three, anyone who enjoys prayer and desires personal transformation and formation in the life of grace. And four, 
anyone who wants to grow more comfortable and skilled in sharing their personal faith story with others. So those four things are ways in which we can reach out to help and to serve others. May God give us, brothers and sisters, a humble, peaceful, discerning spirit of love to look at ourselves these days and our situations and get a sense of how God's mercy is moving us gently to serve, to grow, to rejoice, to be grateful, to thank God, and to live a human life that is full of the, the, the works of the gospel, the love of Jesus, and the love of our brothers and sisters. So may we pray. Lord Jesus, to know you is eternal life. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. I love you, and I place my trust in you. I'm really sorry for all my sins and for withholding myself in any way from you. Please forgive me and heal any pain and hurt that I've caused others. And I forgive anyone who has hurt me, and I ask you to bless them. In your name, Jesus, I renounce anything in my life that is not of you that I have welcomed into my mind or heart. Wash me in mercy and fill me with your precious blood and the Holy Spirit. My Father, you have, you, your love is all we need. Your merciful love is all we need as sons and daughters. Your love and affection is found in the grace of your embrace. May we never leave, may I never leave my home in you, your heart again. By your grace, I resolve to remain in your shelter and abide in your shade, where you restore to me the joy of your salvation, the joy of the gospel. And we pray this prayer in Jesus' name, a prayer fashioned by Father John Horn and others that work with him. He is the spiritual director at the Florida Seminary. The opinions on this broadcast are those of Father Tickerhoof. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast, and please share this podcast with a friend. And to contact Father David, email him at frdavidjt at gmail.com. And be sure to leave Father a star rating on any podcast app. You can find more information about Father David on evangelizingcatholicculturepodcast.com.